So um, uh, let me uh, let me just get uh, get going quickly here, and I'll do a quick summary again so that we you know we remember what we talked about last few weeks. Um, and again, I want to I want to make sure that uh, you know as I see some of the questions, uh, you know, while uh, while I understand everybody wants yes or no answers, and is it okay? Is it not okay? Um, what I hope you're getting out of this is, is a lot more than that. Uh, it's the ability to think biblically, okay? And, and that's what I've been emphasizing from the very first class, um, you know, and one of the verses that we put up is, you know, God's ways, my ways are not your ways, neither are, are my thoughts, your thoughts, right? Uh, and, and also the Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2 about, uh, you know, being transformed by the renewing of your mind and not being confused. they are not black and white there's not a yes or no answer there's not you know the, the way that I might approach it you know the end result might be slightly different than somebody else but the point is are you, are you do you understand the biblical principles behind it okay behind this, this matter of money and are you applying that uh, to uh, you know to, uh, to your the decisions that you make right so I cannot uh, you know the decisions that we each have to make are going to vary Right, they're going to be very different at different points in our life based on our experiences and what uh, you know what uh, what situation we're in. They're going to be very different. So, uh, what we need is to is to imbibe the principles, right, the foundational principles, uh, and uh, then of course we give. You know, we talk about specific principles around debt and giving and spending and all those kind of things, which will help you. But again, there's no substitute for uh, for being prayerful about it, right? Uh, Taking it to the Lord, and um, you know, and, and, and making sure that you're applying these principles in whatever decisions you make. Okay, um, so with that, uh, let's just move on and talk. You know, we talked about God's part and our part in handling money, and you know, uh, the ultimate foundation for this whole study is these three points about God's part, right? So God is uh, is the owner of everything, right? Not just the the 10%, not just uh, a portion, uh, but he's the owner of everything. Every blessing that we have, you know, every income that we get, the job that we have, uh, you know, possessions that we have, uh, you know, we have to think of it as God as the owner, right? And we are stewards. Um, you know, we have to accept that God is in control uh, of our circumstances. So it's not, you know, uh, as believers, you know, we shouldn't be living our lives in a mode of complaining. Okay, that doesn't mean you don't take your request to God. Of course you do. Uh, but, you know, you've got to be joyful. You've got to be thankful at all times. And understand that he controls. He controls the, uh, the increments that I get. He controls the job I get. He controls whether I keep the job or lose the job, as many are losing their jobs these days. Um, you know, the uh, provision, right? God has promised to provide. Okay, uh, in Psalms it says that, you know, I have never seen the righteous begging for bread. Okay, God will provide. Whether he provides, you know, how he provides, of course, we don't know. Okay, he provided for, um, for Elijah uh, by sending the, uh, the raven, you know, the food, right? Uh, for, uh, for all those years the, during the famine. Uh, you know, he may provide through a job. He may provide through some extra income. He may provide through an increment. He may provide through a bonus. He may provide through another brother or sister in Christ. Uh, or a family or whoever okay but 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 he is uh, he is you know and in fact i'm reminded of what uh, justin was talking about today about god's covenant 
right? It was an unconditional covenant. And that's what he was getting at is that there, there was really uh, only one party to that covenant. There is normally a covenant that's got two parties and they both have to do different things. And in fact, God did have some conditional covenants later on. I don't want to get into a study of covenants here, but, uh, but that particular covenant, the Abrahamic covenant was an unconditional covenant. Right where, where God had made the promises like that. God has made a promise to provide for us. Uh, you know, He hasn't told us how. He's just told us that He will provide, and we need to uh, trust in His sovereignty and live accordingly. So, what is our part? It is that we have to be faithful stewards, right? And uh, Ravent also alluded to this. It was in that First Peter passage that he uh, that he spoke from today. You know, a steward is someone who who doesn't have his own possession. He's just a, a manager by the owner of the position to take care of the position, to, to do something with it, right? To put it to work, uh, to take care of it, to spend it according to uh, the desires of the owner of the master. And that's exactly, and this ties in with the, the concept of God's ownership over everything, right? So when we, uh, when we start thinking, uh, you know, everything I have is God's, right? And then, you know, before we make a decision, on should I do this or should I not? Um, you know, you go to the Lord and you seek His face, right? You go to Him in prayer and you make those decisions a prayerful decision. You commit it to the Lord because all you are is a faithful steward. And God is looking for, for, for our faithfulness in that task that He has given to us. We talked about debt and how a debt lifestyle, which is something very common in the West where people sometimes get addicted to it, often get addicted to it. Uh, and increasingly so in this country as well, where, you know, over the last 15, 20 years, debt has become much more prevalent and available. In fact, now, uh, you know, the government is, uh, you know, because of this COVID thing and to help people with their cash flow, the banks are being inst instructed to give loans, right? Uh, sometimes interest fee for some people, it's tempting, you know, because it seems like a great deal, okay? But... Um, but be careful. The debt has a high financial cost. It causes more stress. When you're not able to pay it back, it, um, it leads to denial of reality uh, because you, you can artificially increase your standard of living without, uh, you know, even if you can't afford it. And that eventually leads to a lot of debt, which leads to financial bondage. It presumes on the future, right? Uh, you know, uh, you know it's, it's sort of assuming that things will carry on in their current form. Uh, as um, as uh, as they are today, and of course today we are with, with uh, you know a lot of people losing their jobs. We are finding the danger of this, right? So you you make commitments on those EMIs, and that EMI requires you to um, you know have that income, and all of a sudden the income is gone, uh, and you're in trouble. And of course that leads to stress and all kinds of problems, right? So it deprives God of a chance to provide or deny. So uh, you know one way in which God shows whether whether we should buy something, whether we should invest in something is by, uh, you know, by us having the money or not having the money, right? Uh, and it's a loss of opportunity. So when we looked at uh, debt, uh, you know, what does scripture teach or what are some principles we can apply? We find that debt is not absolutely forbidden, but it is strongly discouraged, right? Uh, and scripture does talk about lending. Um, you know, uh, in fact, I saw some questions around interest and I want to clarify this again. Last week, I I did as well, you know, uh, you know, uh, getting, taking interest from a bank is nothing wrong with that. In fact, you know, I was just reading this morning where Jesus 
you know, in that parable of the talents, he, uh, he, he tells, uh, you know, that, uh, that servant that, uh, well, you know, the guy who buried the talent in the, uh, in the ground and did nothing. He said, you could have given it to the bankers and collected interest, you would have at least got something, right? So uh, I don't think that in and of itself, you can say is completely wrong. Of course, there are certain kinds of interest and certain practices that are unethical and, and wrong and oppressive to the poor. And scripture talks about usury and things like that in the Old Testament. But so what we can draw from this is that debt should not be the norm. Okay, it should not be. We should not be debtor people, people who are steeped in debt. And we should make every effort to get out of debt. Okay? If we prayerfully decide to go into debt, even if it's for a house or a place to live or whatever, you know, uh, you know, we should make every effort to get out of it because until that debt is paid, you are essentially a servant to that lender, okay, whoever you borrowed the money from. So, you know, some of the uh, principles around when can you consider debt, you know, if the item is an appreciating or income producing asset, if the value of the, of the debt exceeds the, or the value of the item rather exceeds the amount that you owe, you know, if the size does not strain your budget. So we, last week we talked about the, the percentages of, of dividing up your budget, right? So first of all, you have to have a budget. Secondly, when you add this extra EMI or whatever into the budget, you know, it doesn't push it, right? It doesn't cause us to violate our convictions. It doesn't cause us to rob God of his due. So you don't have to reduce your giving, um, you know, in order to, uh, in order to meet this, this debt. Right? So you do all these things before you jump into the debt. Okay? Um, very often when we're looking at the debt, the only things we look at is, you know, what's the EMI and can I afford it? Okay? We don't consider the impact on the rest of our you know, expenditures and our giving to the Lord and all that. Uh, and then we start compromising, right? Because then we say, okay, well, I'll, I'll just cut down on you know, giving to the Lord by a little bit for the next you know, year while I pay this off. Right? Uh, it shouldn't restrict our response to help others, right? So you should always try to be in a situation, you, not everyone may be there, but be in a situation where you're not stretching yourself so much, you know, that uh, that you can't help somebody in need uh, as we are commanded to. It does not restrict a response to the Holy Spirit's call to move or change. So debt should not be an anchor. It should not be an anchor that holds us down and prevents us from moving on to where the Lord wants us to. We then talked about giving. So the benefits of giving our increased intimacy with the Lord, um, you know, it makes us unselfish. It develops character. We are investing for eternity. Okay, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. We look quite, uh, uh, you know, quite uh, intensely into 2 Corinthians 9, uh, you know, verses 6 to 8 and all the way up to verse 14 uh, about how when we give, okay, it leads to thanksgiving abounding to the Lord when we give to others and their needs are met through us. It is a blessing to us. It is a blessing to those who receive. They pray. Okay, they pray for us so we get that blessing. And then the Lord will also bless us so that we may give more to him. Okay, and then how much do we give? Uh, we looked at the principle of the tithe and uh, the tithe is just one-tenth. But, you know, we, uh, what, what we said is, you know, make, let's make that a good starting point. And we should, you know, we should, um, uh, that should be sort of the minimum uh, that we give. Okay. Uh, and uh, and then we try to build it up, right? We try to build it up uh, to increase it beyond that. So, you know, you are, you're at 10, you want to try to get to, you know, 12, 15, 18, 20, 25, 30, you know, keep going, all right? As your income is increasing, you know, give more and more to the Lord. And I, and I, can, I can tell you, 
you know, there is a real blessing and the, bless, the real blessing is in the attitude. Okay, in the attitude that creates within you that you, you stop thinking so much about yourself. Okay, um, I, I can tell you that over the years, um, you know, in my own experience, uh, and, and I just want to make one point, okay, that a lot of people, you know, people might think that, you know, I'm in a certain point in my life and, you know, I've got a big job and everything. And so it's easy for me to practice all this. And I can, I can tell you with all sincerity that, that these are principles that the Lord taught me when I was in my 20s, uh, you know, long before I ever got to, uh, got to where I am today. And I do believe that part of the blessing in my job and all that is, is because, you know, the Lord has been gracious enough to, uh, you know, to, to prompt me to learn these things and actually apply them. And, and uh, what I was trying to say was that what I found over the years is that, um, is that I, I agonize a lot more over spending on our own needs. Okay. And I can tell you, if I want to buy, um, you know, something, whatever it is, it might seem like something simple. Uh, and, you know, I'll go search on here, there, look at the price, compare it. You know, I'll sit there, I'll think about it. I, I, and I, it's like, and, you know, sometimes even the kids will say, Dad, why are you spending so much time on this? You know, just buy it, you know. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, it's like a burden to me to, to make that decision to buy the thing. Okay, is, is it really this? Am I paying too much? You know, can I get it for less? Is the quality, is the quality of the thing worth uh, paying this extra amount? Is it not? Let me talk to somebody. Uh, but, but then when it comes to giving to the Lord, uh, you know, that, it's, that whole thing goes away. I mean, I don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about it. I mean, I hear the need, I check into the need and say, okay, good, let's go. Right? Uh, and, and I think that's the attitude, the giving attitude that we should have. Okay, we should be more liberal in giving to the Lord and less liberal in spending on ourselves. Okay, so again, it's not about you know, a lot of questions are coming in around well, how much should I spend? How much should I give? All this kind of thing, right? So I, I think, again, I'll, I'll go back to the core point here. It's, it's about change in mindset, okay? Uh, we want to get to the point where our whole thinking gravitates, you know, towards being more liberal in giving, okay? And less liberal in spending on ourselves. So, so you first look at what the Lord means. I'll, I'll give you some examples later as we talk about uh, saving today. So, uh, you know, a good practice is to come up with a fixed percentage and, uh, and, uh, and be disciplined about it and then increase it. And you give off all the income that you have, okay? Whatever increases that you get, um, you know, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, I was just uh, checking something today, actually preparing for this. And in fact, uh, you know, uh, when, uh, when my wife, Sarah, died, um, you know, uh, we, had, uh, we, got, we had a little bit of life insurance on her. And, and I got a payout of that. And, and it just occurred to me today, you know, should I, did I, uh, did I give, did I actually uh, give a portion of that life insurance payment? Uh, so I actually went back, I keep a log of all my giving uh, by year. And I went back and checked 2012 and, and sure enough, I had done it. So I was a little relieved because if I was going to use that as an example. I want to make sure that, that I had actually done it. So it doesn't matter what the source of the income is, okay? Uh, whatever we get, Right of all the principle that, that, that I would apply is of all the increase that the Lord gives to you, right? You give back to Him, okay? Of first fruits to Him. Um, we talked about spending and how this sort of underpins a lot of what we're talking about, right? How much we can give, you know, how much debt we get into. It's all driven by the lifestyle, right? And spending comes from our lifestyle. 
And when we choose a lifestyle, we need to think eternally. We need to think with an eternal perspective. We need to remember that we are pilgrims. Pilgrims don't take a lot of weight. Okay? Pilgrims, uh, you know, the olden day pilgrims, they only had enough to be able to roll it up and pack it and put it on the back of their camels and then they would move. You know, once a pasture here was, was finished, they would go looking for green pasture somewhere else. Uh, make an effort to live simply. Okay, live within your means and even under your means. Okay, that's what simple living is. Uh, remember that we are soldiers, okay? We don't want to have a lot of weights that we're carrying around. Recognize the enemy. He tempts us to serve money and possessions, okay? So, you know, what is our goal in life? Is it to have a comfortable life? Is it to make a certain amount of money? Is it uh, bank balance? Is it this, is that? You know, uh, you know how we, how we uh, think about those things drives the lifestyle that we choose, you know, and leads to uh, how we spend. So we need to spend in a way that pleases the Lord. We shouldn't waste. Uh, we should not compare ourselves to others. You know, Lord gives different stewards, different amount, even among other believers. And maybe you see believers that, you know, that you wish, you know what, if they could, uh, and I feel this way sometimes, you know, uh, and I have to stop myself when these thoughts come, you know, with that, that brother or that sister, they have, so much, they could give a lot more to the Lord. Why don't they, right? Why are they accumulating more possessions? But again, that's for the, that's between them and the Lord. Uh, you know, we need to focus on ourselves, okay? Do not desire more than what God has given you. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial. So then we talked about budgets. Uh, very important. If you don't have a budget, you know, I, I encourage all of you, however young or old you are, you know, start, uh, put one together. Okay. Because it helps you to really think through, plan, uh, and live by these principles. Right. Uh, and, uh, what you do is you start with where you are today, get your current income, your current expenses, create an estimate and then take a look. Okay, what's the balance? Am I spending more? Am I spending less than what I've taken? And then, uh, you know, start trimming away, right? What can I do less of? Okay, uh, so that, uh, and then, uh, you know, I did present this, uh, this little uh, grid here and it's in your notes. It's just a guideline. Okay, these are not, these are not the 10 commandments. Okay. Uh, thou shalt only spend, you know, 10% on food. Okay. Uh, these are guidelines, okay, to help you uh, make a budget. Okay. And it's good to have these limits because, you know, if you say, you know what, I'm going to follow this and I'm going to only spend 25% or, or 30% or whatever, you know, on my housing, then that will help you guide you to what kind of house you're looking for. So in other words, you're not being guided by, oh, I'd like to have two, two BHK or Oh, what if, and, and you know, sometimes we think about all kinds of things, right? Well, there's me, I need a room. And well, what if some guests come and stay with me? Uh, you know, then let me add another room. Uh, we need to look at, you know, what can I afford? Okay. And what I can afford depends on how much the Lord has given me. Okay. If the Lord wanted me to entertain people, uh, you know, and have a separate room for them, um, then, you know, he would probably give me more and be able to afford it. Right. So, um, of course, you know, you can have a one BHK and they can come and sleep on the, on the floor, right? You can still do what you need to do. Uh, maybe not in as much comfort. So, uh, you know, that's why, that's where the budget comes in and you have to be very disciplined about following this. Okay? And some of these items on the categories may not apply to everybody. So you need to customize it and make it your own, but you can see here, just a couple of things I'll, I'll note there is the, uh, you know, uh, that last line, you can call it savings and investment. Uh, notice that the debts and the investments here are zero. Okay, zero, starting at zero. 
All right. So you don't even get into that. If, uh, you know, there were some questions that came in saying, you know, I'm living hand to mouth. I'm barely making it. Well, if you're barely making it, then, you know, don't go into debt. Okay. If you're barely making it, don't focus on saving because you know, Lord will give you opportunities to save, right? Uh, you need to meet your needs, right? You need to make sure that you're giving to the Lord. And these are all, of course, after you give, okay, after you're giving. I, I do not include the giving. Hey, George, quick question. Uh, you've categorized it as two, uh, two things, right? There is a savings, which is on five. Oh, yeah. Okay. There's savings. Yeah. So, so we'll talk about that. So, uh, yeah, just hold that question. I'll come back to it. So savings and investments, there's a slight difference here. Okay. Okay. The, uh, the, 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 the investment is for more longer term things. Savings are for more immediate things. Okay. So yeah, if you have some immediate expenses, sorry, I missed that part. Thank you. For pointing it out. Uh, you know, if you have extra leftover and you know, there are needs coming in, then, then, you know, it's wise to save about it. So that's going to be a lesson for today. Okay. All right. So then we talked about all these things. So, uh, you know, the man's approach is acquire as many expensive possessions as, uh, uh, as possible because uh, they are evidence that you are a successful and important person. But God's, uh, you know, God's approach is the excessive accumulation of possessions uh, that will distract you from fulfilling God's purpose for your life. So that's the, that's the, the summary. And uh, let me go into the next thing, which is saving and investment. So, so I see that that's an amazing save there. Um, uh, but, but anyway, we're not talking about that kind of saving. That is one kind of saving. Okay. We're talking about saving money, okay. Saving money for future needs. So of course we want to always go back to scripture. What does scripture say? Um, so one thing is that, you know, when you look at the verses and the Proverbs is a lot of these verses and I'll read a couple of them. Uh, what we find is that, you know, saving is commended. Okay. So a person who saves, there's a lot of good things that scripture says about it. So Proverbs 21, 20 says, uh, there is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. Okay, so what that verse is telling us is that we need to anticipate future needs rather than foolishly consume resources without considering the future. Okay, if you have, uh, you know, a certain amount of oil uh, and, you know, you, it's, it's, you know, you don't have money to get more or whatever, you have to conserve it, right? Whatever resources you have. You conserve it for future needs. You don't just, uh, you know, you don't, you don't just consume it all, uh, you know, in one city. Proverbs 6, 6 to 8, which talks about the very well-known uh, passage about the ant, right? It says, go to the ant, you sluggard. And this is speaking to the sluggard, which is a uh, sluggard epitomizes the sort of lazy person who doesn't want to work, you know, who doesn't want to plan, who doesn't want to, uh, uh, you know, doesn't want to uh, think about the future. Is lazy, sleeping all the time, right? Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer or ruler, provides the supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. So what does the ants do? The ants, they, they have this system, right? Where they, you know, while it is uh, summer, okay? They know the winter is coming. They go and gather their food and they bring it and they, they store it in the anthill. You know, they build up the anthill. And, uh, you know, what, what that tells us is that the principle is that it's short-sighted to fail to store up provisions for upcoming times of predictable need. Okay, the ants know winter is coming. Okay, food will not be available. Now it's a harvest. It's time to go and collect the food. So it's again a predictable need where you know it's going to happen. Okay, and it would be unwise. It would be a sluggish, sluggard 
like behavior to not save up, right? And then we look at uh, the uh, inspiration that God gave to Joseph, right? Um, you know, that he gave to Joseph about uh, uh, the, uh, the, the famine that was coming to Egypt, right? And he, uh, it was basically a savings plan, right? What was Joseph doing? During the seven years of plenty, you know, he made the people pay. Uh, you know, he put a levy or a tax on them where they were supposed to give a certain percent of their produce to, uh, you know, to the king. And then he built all these places and stored. Then, you know, when the, when the famine came, seven years of famine, they had enough food, not just to feed Egypt, but, uh, you know, but even the other lands. And that's how Joseph's, uh, you know, Joseph's family showed up, right? To get their, get their share of, of get, get food for, the, for themselves from the promised land. Um, but it's very important that we understand that whatever we're talking about here, you know, we, 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 uh, we apply the scriptures in balance. Okay? So, uh, you know, that's the important thing about scripture. A lot of times we sort of take one verse. Okay? In fact, there was a question about the verse in Proverbs that says, you know, a, a good man uh, leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And then somebody said, well, you got that. And then you got Luke uh, chapter 12, I believe, where it talks about the rich fool. You know, who wanted to save up all this stuff and, and, you know, enjoy himself and tell his soul to be merry and all those things. Again, you know, when you have scriptures, see what, what a lot of these scriptures, especially the wisdom literature, okay, wisdom literature is like Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, you know, these are not necessarily like the law, okay. Uh, these are giving us a certain aspects of wisdom, right. But there's always, you need to balance those out, okay. In fact, even in the very Proverbs, you know, one verse after the next, um, you know, there are what are, what, are, what are apparent contradictions. So, for example, there's a verse in the Proverbs uh, that says, you know, uh, do not answer a fool according to his folly, uh, you know, lest he be, uh, you know, uh, lest he think that he's wise, right? And the very next verse says, answer a fool according to his folly. Okay. Now, what is that telling you? Okay. Now, you can take one verse and say, well, it says we shouldn't be answering a fool. The other one. You can take them both completely separately and come to some you know, principle that you want to apply, but that's not the intent there. Right? The intent there is saying, you know what, there are times when you need to answer a fool, and there are other times when you're dealing with a fool, you're better keeping quiet. Okay? And you need to apply some wisdom to know what to do what, right? So with a lot of these wisdom literature, we can draw some principles, but we need to make sure we are balancing it with what else the scripture says. Okay. So so again, saving is is commended and in fact um, you know the lord mentions investing in a positive light in the parable of the talents which is what i was uh, referring to earlier in matthew 25 you know where he says to that servant the one who buries the thing he says why didn't you go and invest it why didn't you go put it in the bank okay you could have saved it in the bank and taken the interest of the banker and brought it back to you right that's what the master uh, says to the servant right um, and again that's a parable but, but you can draw some principles uh, from that, right? Uh, in terms of what is God's thinking uh, on this matter. Now, while saving is commended, there's something else which is uh, called hoarding. Okay? And what is hoarding? Hoarding is saving taken to an extreme. Okay? So it is accumulating assets for no purpose other than to avoid future disaster or to provide wealth for many, many years to come. Okay? It is, it is the, 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 the attempt in our flesh okay, to secure our future by you know, accumulating wealth today. I, I hope that's clear. Okay? 
so uh, and the uh, you know hoarding does not give any consideration depending on God. Hoarding is one way of saying you know what I don't trust the Lord to provide for me, so I am going to accumulate so much wealth that I can you know live happily for the rest of my life. And of course, the classic example of this is that rich fool in Luke 12, right? Uh, you know where uh, where he said, oh my uh, you know my my harvest has come in and it's bountiful and I've got so much, so I'm going to tear down my my little barns, my little storehouses are not big enough. I'm going to tear them now. I'm going to build bigger ones, you know, and I'm going to store it. And then I'm going to just relax and say, you know, uh, hey, soul, you know, you know, look how much you have, right? Eat, drink, and be merry. And the Lord says to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Your, your life will be ended, right? Then whose will these be, these possessions? Right? So, so here is someone who has no consideration for God, right? And so there, are, there were some questions on what is saving, what is hoarding. You know, you can't define, I can't say, uh, you know, if you accumulate more than X amount, it's hoarding. Uh, it's, it's really a, a matter of the heart. Okay? It's a matter of the heart. Uh, you know, it's why am I saving this amount? Okay. Uh, does it show my lack of trust in God or, uh, or am I being wise? Because the Lord has given me some wisdom. He's given me some extra money. I know I have this need coming up. So, uh, you know, I'm going to start saving for that prudently, right? Uh, at the same time, I'm not going to, um, you know, I'm not going to go back on my giving. You know, I'm not going to prioritize this need, okay, this future need over my current obligation to give to the Lord, to give to his people, to meet the needs of others, to meet my own needs, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, there's another example in scripture, which is uh, the manna, okay? I don't know if, I don't know how many of you are aware of this little detail, but when God gave the manna, you know, he, he rained the manna for only six days, okay? And he told them, you're not supposed to take, uh, you know, you're not supposed to take more than what you need. Okay? And whatever you take, you have to finish. So some people, they got a little concerned. They were not, you know, maybe they, they didn't trust that God would provide manna tomorrow. Okay. So what did they do? They started gathering so much. Okay. They started hoarding all the manna. And of course, what they, what they discovered the next day is that all of that stuff had rotted. All right. Um, and, and the only exception he gave was on the, on the Friday. Okay, the, you could you could take enough to you know to uh, meet your needs on the day of the Sabbath, so that they didn't have to go out on the Sabbath, the day of rest, and uh, and pick up uh, the manna, right? So uh, so again, you see these things uh, in in Scripture, right? So Scripture presents both sides, right? There's there's saving, prudent saving, wise saving, and then on the other hand, it says don't hoard. Okay, our our purpose in life is not to accumulate so much wealth that we become content and, and, and uh, you know, and uh, uh, set up for uh, the future all on our own. Okay. I, I hope everybody's getting that. And so I can't tell you in your life, what is hoarding and what is saving. Okay. What is, what is wise saving and what is hoarding? This is something that each of us has to decide. And, and ultimately it comes back to the attitude of the heart. Okay. So, uh, so this is what we, we talked about. Okay. So there is a balance that we need to achieve. We need to make sure that while we are saving, we're not, uh, you know, it's not sort of crossing that line, you know, into, uh, into hoarding. And, and maybe we're getting dangerously close. We need to then seek the Lord and, and, and make corrections. Okay. So what are some uh, biblical uh, principles? Okay, so first of all, uh, sorry, principles for saving. So first of all, you need to achieve a balance between wise 
saving and hoarding. That's what I just talked about. Uh, save only after taking care of your responsibility for giving and meeting needs. All right. So that's why, uh, you know, the savings, uh, you know, you can always increase it when you know there's a need coming. And I use these examples in the past weeks, you know, you know, over here, when you've got to put a kid in the school, you have to pay a deposit. Okay. So if you've got a, a two year old and you know that uh, you know, one year old or a newborn and you know that in two or three years, I'm going to have to pay a deposit. You know, you check around and you say, well, how much is a deposit for a school? Okay, maybe it's 10,000, 30,000, whatever it is. Right. And you do a little math and say, okay, now I need this money in three years. How much would I have to save every month to, to make sure I have that amount in three years from now? Right. Uh, you know, start saving. Right. But then once that need is met, you know, unless there's another legitimate need, you know, uh, you maybe you don't have to save, you know, you can use that money for something else or to give it away. Right. So save for specific needs after you take care of the response for giving and meeting. So do not use savings to replace trust in God and dependence on his provision. Okay. So this is where the attitude of the mind and the heart comes in. All right. So you need to, and this is a very subtle thing. Okay. At what point in your mind are you crossing from belief and trust in God to provide, you know, towards depending on myself. Okay. At some point that line gets crossed. Okay. And, and again, there's no, uh, there's no check mark or checklist around this or, uh, you know, that, that I can give you, uh, but it's, it's an attitude of the heart. Only you know your heart. Okay? And you Always be open to gear to God's leading to give away part of the savings to meet a present need. Okay. So always be, uh, be ready to, you know, to give away. Okay? And this is, and what I mean by this is, let's say, let's say, for example, uh, you are saving, okay. You are saving for, uh, for some need. Okay. And you know, it's coming up and then, you know, all of a sudden uh, some brother comes to you, the brother or sister has lost their job and, and they're in deep trouble and maybe they don't even have food. You know, uh, they need some help. Uh, or maybe your brother is in debt and you're trying to help them out. I mean, some the Lord brings some need to you, okay? And, uh, uh, you know, this, this, is, this is a test of your heart, okay? And, and, you know, the only money you have left is, you know, so let's say you've accumulated 20,000 rupees to pay for your child's, uh, you know, deposit in the school, okay? But the Lord is convicting you that, you know, I need to help this brother. I need to take a portion of this. And this is all the money I have. Because my, my, my monthly income, I, I have it for my needs, I'm giving the Lord, whatever, right? So always be open to this leading. Okay, and I remember, uh, this is one where, where I've been tested uh, over the years many times. And I remember that uh, a few years ago, there was, there was, there was something, uh, uh, some money that had come in. Um, and it might have been, you know, in my company, we, we have this, uh, this, uh, uh, you know, some of our compensation comes in terms of stock. Okay, all the employees get it, uh, and I think I had sold some of that, and I had, I had kept the money. And of course, as I always do, you know, I had set aside a portion of that. So there was an amount that came in, and there was a reason why I don't even remember what the reason was. This was a, a good eight or nine years ago. Um, I don't remember what the reason was that I had actually sold that. Uh, uh, but there was some need coming up and, uh, and I said, just fine. I've, and whenever I sell, I calculate how much do I give back to the Lord? How much do I need? And accordingly I, I manage it. 
and there was a portion I was going to give to the Lord. And then right about that time, and I found that the Lord does this. Okay, He uh, He, he tests us, and He and He brought this one brother who's in the Lord's work, and uh, and I just realized that these these messages are being recorded, so I don't I don't I should be careful what kind of details I reveal. Uh, but there was this brother, uh, and some of you know him, uh, and he came to me with something that. You know, and, and he just called me to say, I want you to pray about this. I have this need. I, this is what I want to do. And the Lord is leading me to do this thing and, and, and you know, go on and go on and on. And he, he said, this is, this is what so I said, well, what, what are you looking at? What's the amount that you need for this thing? Uh, and it was, it was an amount that he gave me. And uh, so I said, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll pray about it. You know, I'm sure the Lord will provide. Okay. And uh, we left it at that. And then, um, you know, then I started thinking a little more about it and, and you know, it started sort of churning in my mind. And uh, the amount that he wanted was the exact, almost the exact amount of this money that I had sitting there, okay, that I had gotten from, uh, from selling this, this stock in the company. Um, and, uh, and then I put it out of my mind, said, I, I, anyway, I'm giving a portion of that to the Lord. The, the Lord can take his piece. This, this was... For me, and then, uh, then I thought about it some more, and I just couldn't. You know, I wasn't at rest. Okay? And I, I knew, I knew that the fact that the amounts were almost the same wasn't a coincidence. And I've had these kind of experiences before. Uh, so I went to my wife Sarah, and I told her this is what's going on. And uh, in most of these kind of things, she was extremely unhelpful. Okay, so here I'm struggling with this decision, and she's like, "Okay, just give it away," you know. So, uh, you know, she didn't want to think about it or deliberate about it. So that wasn't much help. Um, and, uh, and that was throughout our entire marriage. It would be something like that. Why don't you just give it away? You know, why are you even thinking about it? You know, so, but eventually, you know, I was convinced that this is what the Lord wanted me to do. And, uh, you know, I took that entire money and I gave it to his brother. You know, and then he went and did whatever, uh, you know, he, he planned to do with it. So uh, the, the, the point I'm trying to make here is that you know, uh, again, it comes down to the hard attitude. Okay. Now I had taken that money with an intent to save and it was for something specific. Um, you know, uh, and, but at that point in time, the Lord prompted me and, uh, you know, so that's the difference between saving and hoarding. Okay. And, and being, having that open openness to the leading of the Lord to do something different with it than what you plan. Right. Or, you know, on the other hand, I could have said, you know what, I've given my, X percent to the Lord, the rest is, is for me to keep, right? So goes goes back to that attitude. Am I being I am am I being the owner of this of this money that I have, or am I being the steward, right? If the master is leading me to do something differently, how willing am I to give it up, right? To put aside my plans and decide that my plans were plans in the flesh, and this is not what God wants me to do, right? And then and then changing your direction, right? So. Uh, yeah, always be open to God's leading to give away part of the savings to meet a greater present need. So that was the example uh, that I was talking about, right? So, uh, you know, our attitude to the savings is very important. If you're a hoarder, how do you know that you're a hoarder is when you save something, okay? And that becomes like a, uh, such a big thing that you are unwilling to part with, okay? No, 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 I can't part with that. You know, I've kept that for, you know, my kid's education or I've kept that for, buying a, ho a home, or I have kept that for, you know, some this and that, okay? Uh, am I willing to, 
to use that. And, and, and again, as I said, you know, um, there are, there are monies that I've saved up. Sometimes I've saved it up for not even anything particular. I just saved it because at that point in time, it didn't seem like there was anything particular to spend it on. And then years later, the Lord has prompted me to say, you know what, there's this need over there. Okay. I want you to give that need. And so it just comes back to, are you willing at that point in time to, to sacrifice? Well, I shouldn't even call it a sacrifice to give away part of what you've saved to meet that need that the Lord has put on your heart. Right. So, so we need to pray for that change in attitude. So those are the principles around, around saving. Now, uh, I want to go and talk about investing. Okay. So what is uh, investment? So investment, the difference between investment and savings, and I, I alluded to this a little earlier, uh, is that, uh, you know, investment is a little more of a long term. It's a way by which your savings can, can, can be put into uh, certain assets, okay, that are appreciating, you hope will appreciate, uh, and, and give you a, an income or a growth in value. Okay, so if you think about savings would be something like, uh, you know, you put, uh, you put it in the bank, okay, the bank gives you some interest, you know, as you know, these days, interest rates have gone down, you know, it used to be eight, nine, 10%, now it's you know, 4%, you get 4%, you're, you're, you're doing well. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, but it's, it's short term, right? It's, it's somewhat liquid, you can, you can pick it up. Now, investment is something long term. So for example, investing in land or investing in the, in the, in the stock market, okay, buying shares or mutual funds. Or whatever. Uh, you can think of insurance as a way of investment, as a, as a vehicle for investment. Okay. So, so again, the same biblical principles for saving applies here. So investing is really, uh, uh, really sort of a, uh, it's just another form of savings, right? So where you're saving for, so, so for example, let's say, let's say you saved up that money for, uh, uh, your your uh, daughter's education, your uh, deposit for the school. Okay, let's say the Lord blesses you and you're able to save it within one year, and you still got two years left, right? Now you've saved that for that purpose, uh, and the Lord hasn't prompted you to give it away like like I was talking about earlier. And uh, you know you could put that for the next two years into an FD, okay, a fixed deposit, or you could put it into a mutual fund or something. So and, and that will grow, okay. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because again, uh, since, uh, you know, since uh, the, um, uh, you know, since the, the Lord has, you know, has told us that, you know, scripture tells us that we are to be wise savers, right? If it's for a particular purpose, it's an imminent need that's coming up in the near future, right? Um, nothing wrong with that. But of course, keep in mind that when you put it there and you get that interest, that's an increase. Okay, so if you've made a commitment to give away, say, 15% of your increase of your new income to the Lord, when you break that FD, when it matures, make sure you're giving that portion to the Lord as well. Okay, a portion of that interest back to the Lord, right? That's a, that's a disciplined uh, way of being faithful. Okay, so what should you do uh, if you're going to invest, establish, and these are, by the way, uh, some of these are drawn from scripture, but some of these are, uh, are just sort of you know, just applying some common sense, okay? Um, and where, where it is from scripture, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let you know. It's in your notes as well. Um, so, you know, uh, what are some acceptable goals? You should have some acceptable goals, okay? First of all, it could be a goal to provide for the family, like the example that I, I gave you about, uh, you know, your child's education. Uh, maybe it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, I, I want to become free to serve the Lord, 
okay, I want to save some money up now so that, you know, I don't need to go and take a job that's going to cause, have to, uh, you know, I'm going to have to spend more and more hours. I can take a simpler job perhaps, right, uh, to, uh, to have more time to serve the Lord. Maybe uh, it's for uh, providing for, uh, uh, you know, for, for some of my needs in old age, okay, the Lord, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Okay, if I'm if I'm now, you know, I'm 54, you know, I'll retire soon, hopefully. Uh, you know, I need to think about it. Now, of course, you know, the thing is that these days the government provides certain schemes like PF and all these kind of things, which, you know, if you have that, then that becomes less of an issue because that's intended for, for retirement or social security or whatever in the US. Uh, but that's, again, an acceptable investment goal. Okay, now, if you're 20 years old and you're setting aside money for your retirement, uh, you know, that becomes a little more shaky, okay? If you're 55 like me and you say, you know what, sooner or later, you know, maybe I want to retire early to be able to serve the Lord. You know, not, not I don't have the call for full-time, you know, like say Rebichain does, but, uh, but, you know, I want to be able to, to stop working earlier so that I can go out and serve the Lord, right, more or give more time to the church or whatever, right? At this age, I'm starting to think about that, right? So, then I say, I, you know, and I want to make that as a goal. Okay. If, uh, if you want to, maybe you have a, uh, intent, you know, prayerfully you've got an intent and a leading of the Lord to start a business at some point. Okay. And you want to save for that. Now, maybe, you know, you save for five years, six years, seven years, and seems like the need for the business has gone away. Then you need to rethink. That, okay. So goals can change over time. Okay. They change over the phases of life. The Lord can lead you in a different direction. Uh, you know, always be thinking through, is this goal for what I'm investing here, is it an acceptable thing? Is it, is it acceptable in the eyes of the Lord? And am I doing this prayerfully? Again, keep that steward mentality. You are deciding to take a portion of the Lord's treasure, Lord's wealth that he has given you, and you're deciding to invest it for a particular purpose. Okay? Always go and ask, ask the Lord, is this what you want me to do? Um, so avoid unacceptable goals. Okay. So for example, you know, first Timothy six, nine to 11, it talks about the love of money is the root of all evil. So why am I investing this money? Okay. Is it to accumulate more wealth? Is it because of my greed? Is it so that I can uh, buy a more expensive car? Is it so that, uh, you know, I can buy a house that I don't really need much bigger house than what I need? Uh, you know, what is my goal? Is it, is it acceptable? Or, or is it unacceptable? Is it a goal of becoming rich and independently wealthy? Okay. Uh, so uh, again, th these kind of goals will take us away from serving the Lord. Okay. And we need to be very watchful for this. Um, establish a maximum amount. This is a good principle. It's not something in scripture. But if you want to accumulate and you've got a goal, um, always cap it. Okay. And say, you know what? Uh, you know, for example, that example of the, of the education of the child, okay? You know, I'm not going to allow that to keep accumulating more and more beyond a certain point. Or, or even, if, even if I'm going to retire soon and I say, you know what, uh, I need to have, you know, uh, enough to at least support myself for a year. Okay, I just made up a year. Maybe it's six months, right? Uh, you know, it's always wise. A wise uh, principle of saving is to, I, I didn't mention this earlier, but but, you know, for example, many of you are losing your jobs, right? Uh, now, when you lose your job, the wise person, you know, would, would foresee that this could happen in time. Okay. And so maybe you save 
say uh, X months of your expenses. So you say, you know what, my budget says that, that uh, you know, I spend, uh, um, you know, whatever, like 20,000 a month or something, okay, on all my expenses. You know, let me, let me build up a savings fund of 60,000 so that at least for three months, I'm in good shape or six months, whatever, okay, something reasonable, you know, not forever and ever and ever, all right, uh, years and years on end. So, uh, so it's always good to, and the, the reason for this maximum amount is, again, it's to, it's to, it's like a control, okay, it's a guardrail uh, to say, uh, you know what, uh, this is, this is where once it gets to this point, you know, and I come up with that maximum based on what my goals are specifically, okay, um, you know, and then, you know, above and beyond that, it becomes a case of me just trying to accumulate more and more wealth, okay. Um, so when that maximum amount is reached, then we should give away what we were saving in accordance with the principles of giving that we talked about, right. So it's a good way to protect yourself against hoarding. Uh, be diligent in investing, okay. So, so again, uh, you know, Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty, surely to poverty. So when you're investing, um, you know, think uh, over the longer term, okay. Don't, there are a lot of these, uh, these get rich quick, get rich quick schemes, okay. People say, oh, you put in this much, you will get, you know, 25% return. Be very careful, all right. Investing should be regular, it should be steady, you know, and, and we just do it and we don't, uh, sort of look for those quick returns, which normally are not there. Okay, so steady over a long period of time, save and invest consistently, okay, over a long period of time. Um, another principle is to avoid high risk investments, okay. Uh, so if you read, uh, I don't have time to go into the verse, but it's in your notes, Ephesians 5, sorry, Ecclesiastes 5, 13 to 16, it talks about risky investments, okay, they turn sour and nothing is left. So there are a lot of risky investments, speculative investments, you know, and the financial industry is coming up with all kinds of stuff, you know, uh, back in the, before the financial crash of the, uh, you know, of the, uh, you know, of 10 years ago, 2007, 2008, there were all these credit default swaps and all these kind of things that I don't even understand what they are. Uh, but, uh, but they're all very highly risky, uh, you know, risky investments, right? As a believer, stay away from those kind of things. You know, this is, again, this is the Lord's money. Okay. Think carefully before you put the Lord's money at risk. Um, you know, diversify. All right. So uh, Ecclesiastes 11.2, give a serving to seven and also to eight for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. You can sort of, that whole passage is sort of talking about, you know, spread things out a little bit. Okay. So you can draw the principle of diversification from this. Diversification is just common sense. What that means is that you don't always invest in one thing. Okay? You don't always invest in, say, the stock of a single company. Okay? You spread it out. So if you do, for example, mutual funds, you know, they're they're for a sector or they're for, uh, you know, uh, like an index of some kind, right? Where, where you know some might go up, some might go down. And what it means is that your actual returns might be lower than if you go for something, you know, an individual stock that's really going to take off because you don't know that. Right, but diversification sort of reduces your risk, so so it, it sort of aligns with that. Then finally, uh, principle is to count the cost. Okay, so always uh, every investment has a cost. All right, now what is that cost? It's a financial cost because you're putting your money, some money, at certain amount of money at some risk. Uh, it requires a, it has a cost and time commitment. 
It has a cost in efforts. Okay, so some investments can cause worry and emotional stress. If your investments are, are so um, you know, important to you that they cause stress to you, like I mentioned, uh, there was a brother whose mood swung depending on how the you know, Bombay Sensex uh, you know, value and you know, how the market did uh, up and down. You know? And then when I would call him every day, he would say, brother, what's going on? What is going on in the economy, brother? Please tell me. You know, he was under so much stress for that. Um, so, so some investments can take us away from our family and from serving the Lord. Okay, so carefully consider the cost of an investment before you make a decision. And if, if you've invested something somewhere and that investment for whatever reason is taking you away from the Lord and taking you away from what you should be doing, then, uh, you know, because you're just constantly worrying about it, then, you know, rethink that. Okay, so, so these are just some, uh, some principles for investing. And uh, since we got a lot of questions uh, on, uh, uh, you know, uh, is it okay to invest in the stock market? I... I thought I'd just address that and also address the issue of insurance. Then I'll stop and we're almost out of my one hour limit. So we'll have to continue with questions uh, next week. Maybe we can, if anybody has a clarification on something I've talked about today, uh, might take a... So is it okay to invest in the stock market? Okay, so again, uh, there are a lot of things in life that are not, it's not just an okay or not okay. It's not a, a 10 commandments, you know, black and white. Uh, you have to apply some principles. So, you know, I don't think uh, that we can say that investing in stocks is, you know, is a sin. It's not a sin. Because uh, when you think about what, what, are you, what are you doing when you invest in stock, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, basically you're putting money into a company because you believe that that or, or a set of companies or a basket of companies in a particular industry because you believe that that, uh, you know, that company is going to generate profits and as a result, you know, you might get some dividends back that they'll issue to you. And it's just a way of improving the return on your money. So think about what the Lord said to the guy who didn't, uh, who buried the treasure, right? He said, you should have given it to the banker and gotten the interest from it, right? Um, so, you know, again, uh, this is, you know, don't, uh, please don't take this in isolation, okay? Go back to all of these, these principles hold no matter what. Uh, so these principles always apply, but now that you've decided that, you know, that, 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 that it's okay for you to invest certain amount for whatever reason, you know, is this okay, right? So there's nothing wrong in and of itself, of course. Now, when you go into that kind of a uh, investment, it is inherently more risky. Okay? So remember, uh, avoid high risk investments. So you have to gauge, you know, what's the risk here? Right? Now, some companies could go belly up, some uh, companies might do great, okay? Uh, some companies might be doing great today, they could, you know, there's no guarantee that they're going to go tomorrow. But in general, when you look at the, uh, if you look at stock markets as a whole, uh, historically, they've always sort of, you know, even with, when you have these downturns, they sort of go down, but eventually they come back. Now, is that forever? Probably not, but at least in, you know, over a 10-year horizon or something, you know, you can be fairly certain that it will appreciate, okay, how much, you don't know. Um, so the way we invest, though, can be sinful, okay? And, and again, the intent is important, okay? So for example, there is a way to invest in the stock market where you could be gambling, okay? And what I'm talking about is that back in the, before the big financial crash, there was this 
big thing that uh, became very popular called day trading. Okay, and be these guys that would sit with you know six computers in front of them, and they'll be trying to uh, make money by you know by doing very fast transactions. Right? They would soon as something goes down, they would they would buy more of it. Soon as it went up by by just a little fraction, they would sell it, and they were doing millions and millions of share, uh, and they had enough money to back them up. And and so that's called day trading, where uh, you know where uh, it's a very high risk kind of thing, trying to get quick quick returns. In fact, I remember I was living in Atlanta at the time, and uh, there was one guy uh, who was a day trader. And one day, when the markets tanked, um, you know, he lost everything, and he actually uh, shot himself. Okay, that very day, okay, in his office, he shot himself dead. Um, or he jumped out of the building or something. Anyway, he committed suicide. Okay, uh, because everything went up. You know, so the way that you, if, if you're sitting there looking at this stock, oh, okay, this is going down. Well, let me sell that. Let me go put it somewhere else. Now oh, that's going up. Okay, now let me. Oh, that one's going up. Let me go. You know, that sort of gambling. Okay, that sort of playing your luck. Uh, that's that's looking to make quick money. Okay, so are you doing that or are you doing it for the long term? So think about your attitude, your intent. Follow the biblical principles of investing. You know, have the right goals, avoid high risk, you know, and diversify. Okay, these are, I just picked out three of the goals from, you know, from here. Okay, uh, and I just applied it. So hopefully you'll get a picture of how, how we apply the principles as well. You know, do I have the right goal? You know, am I avoiding high risk? Am I diversifying? So for example, now I would I would uh, I would I would suggest that you know that it's not very wise to invest in individual stocks okay because any particular company can uh, go down at any point in time okay now you might have invested in say oil companies you know five years ago because the price of oil was so high and all of a sudden price of oil is gone and all their stock is you know so uh, you know if you do diversification you invest in now, again, assuming you've got the right goals and the Lord is really leading you to make an investment, you know, you invest in high risk, in lower risk by diversifying across, you know, by doing mutual funds and, and things like that. Uh, you know, uh, that's always a much, much wiser thing. Okay? So, uh, so that's the point on, on, on the stock market. Um, is it okay to buy life insurance? Okay. So again, uh, what is life insurance? It's a form of savings. It's, it's a sort of a combination of savings and or I could even say it's a form of investment. So since why saving is scriptural, you know, it can be okay. All right. I'll just tell you this. It can be okay. So the way we approach life insurance can make it sinful. Same thing, right? Uh, the intent is important. What is your goal? Now, are you trying to replace trust in God? Uh, what amount of life insurance? So am I taking you know, crores and crores and crores of rupees of life insurance, um, which indicates that, you know, I'm just trying to make my future or something would happen to me today. Um, you know, I'm trying to make things so certain, okay, that we wouldn't have to depend on the Lord. Again, check your attitude. So follow the biblical principles, again, of saving and investing. Have the right goal. Take only enough to ensure, you know, what is life insurance? Life insurance is sort of saying, you know what, if something were to happen to me today, you know, my family, you know, I want to make sure that they have they have enough to at least keep going for a certain amount of time. Okay? So ensure that your family is able to handle things if they were to suddenly lose their source of income. Okay? So it doesn't make sense to, 
take life insurance, uh, you know, you're insuring against uh, a loss of income or a, you know, or, or a sudden death or some catastrophe that happens. And this is the way it works with health insurance, right? You have health insurance, you're insuring against the possibility of, uh, of an illness, okay? Or you're getting car insurance, you know, you're, uh, you know, you're uh, investing against the possibility of, of uh, having an accident, okay? Now, there's different kinds of car insurance, right? You can get, uh, what is it, what do they call it? Comprehensive car insurance. So that means that, uh, you know, if something happens, no matter what, they will pay for the whole thing. They will pay for my car, they'll pay for the other guy's car who I, who I hit, uh, you know. Or you can take liability or third-party insurance, right? Which is just that, you know, I just want to cover. So if I hit somebody's BMW, you know, and it costs them, uh, you know, 20 lakhs to fix it, you know, I don't want to be end up uh, having, uh, yeah, how am I going to find that, right? So, you know, I take third-party insurance, which is much cheaper than comprehensive. Now, now what happens is when you buy a BMW yourself, then you're like, oh my goodness, my precious BMW. What if somebody, some dummy on the road who doesn't know how to drive comes and hits me? You know, then I better get comprehensive insurance. So now you see you're spending more. Okay. Uh, so have the right goals and, and only take insurance, take a limited amount, you know, just to, you know, so tide things over. Okay. Something happens to me, my wife and my kids, they need to at least have something to stand on. Uh, yes, I'm trusting the Lord. And, and of course, I don't have the wherewithal to provide them forever. The Lord will have to provide uh, and he will provide. But, you know, I go and take a little bit of insurance, maybe a few lakh rupees or something, you know, just to tide them over. Okay, it's a, it's a wise thing to do. So again, where's the line? Uh, you know, you're going to apply all these principles to the Lord, be a wise steward, you know, do all these things, think through it and, and make up your mind. Okay, so I, I think that's pretty much all I have to say. Okay, I think we'll wrap up here before people lose their attention. 